The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. I'm going to read to you uh, just a few statistics, and again, uh, just looking at recent uh, studies, if you want to look at Barna, Lifeway Research, or different things like that, you can do so yourself. These are uh, statistics of churches, and uh, they said last year 80% of churches in America were in decline, 80%. Uh, that means they were not growing. Uh, that means uh, they were on their way uh, down in decline. They're losing people, losing money, losing, if you would, just in decline, 80%. Uh, and uh, that is a study nationwide of the United States of America. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but that encourages my heart uh, that we're not in decline, that we've seen growth and people saved. And uh, I believe that we don't have to be in decline. I believe churches don't have to be that way. Uh, I believe sometimes... Uh, We're only in decline because we're being disobedient to the Word of God. We're not obeying and doing what God says that we ought to do. And boy, how that should sober our hearts and minds about being obedient to God's Word. Uh, But these following statistics uh, were were given about uh, uh, churches and 1,400 pastors in America leave the ministry monthly. I don't know about you, but that was just astounding to me. 1,400 pastors in America leave the ministry monthly. Only 15% of churches in the United States are growing and just... 2.2% of those are growing by conversion growth. In other words, only 2.2% of the 15% that are growing are growing because they're seeing people saved, baptized, added to the church like we see here in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 2. You say, well, how are they growing? Well, they're just kind of assimilating people from the the community or from other churches into their church rather than actually going out and preaching the gospel and winning the lost. And uh, boy, that's the way the church is supposed to grow. And I'm thankful that God fitly joins uh, people into the body. And I'm also thankful that he builds his church. And the Bible uh, promises that. Uh, 10,000 churches in America uh, disappeared in a five-year period. 10,000 churches, I mean, disappeared. Like they just closed down their doors and disappeared. Uh, Only 45% of the U.S. population attends church regularly. The number of people in America that do not attend church has doubled in the past 15 years. Uh, No more than 38% of the population attends church at all, and that's in the Bible Belt. The next highest is the Midwest at 25%, the West at 21%, and the Northeast where we live is 17%. uh, 17%. And uh, I don't know about you, but that's uh, astounding to me. Though the Bible Belt still boasts the highest percentage of church attendees, many of those churches are filled with legalism or extreme liberalism. Uh, The vast majority of churches have an attendance of less than 75 There are almost 100 million unchurched Americans in the world today. 100 million unchurched uh, Americans. 11 to 20% of them claim to be born again. They have either left the church or never connected for some reason. Only one-fifth of the adult population attends Sunday school or some sort of Christian training, which is a necessity, by the way, not an option. Only 65% of Americans donate to a place of worship of evangelicals, however, 85% uh, donate to their church, yet only 9% actually obey God by tithing. 9%. Uh, No wonder uh, churches are in decline. Only 9% obey the Lord uh, in their giving. 20 to 25% read their Bible consistently. 59% attend church weekly. Um, You know, uh, uh, only 11% are held accountable to someone. Only 60% of Christians say they're deeply committed to their faith. Yet 85% of evangelicals make this claim. One in four have a place in the church where they serve. So 25% of people that do go to church serve. And uh, boy, that's uh, astounding as well. 
Less than 50% say that the Bible is totally accurate, yet 60% of those that claim, claim to be born again yet don't believe the Bible is totally accurate. Just one-third of church attendees believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith with others. 56% of the, uh, percent of the population believes that salvation can be earned, and shockingly, 26% are among evangelical churches. Uh, by the way, we know that salvation cannot be earned, and if you believe that it can be earned of works, it is no salvation at all. It's not the gospel. Giving to charities increased in the past decade, yet giving to the local church is in decline. These verses that we read from Acts chapter number 2, you say, uh, these statistics, do they, what do they mean? Well, I don't believe uh, that they apply to a church that is engaging and being obedient to the Word of God. In other words, uh, if we will do what God says that we should do, the Bible promises that we will uh, be blessed. The Bible says that God, the very gates of hell shall not prevail against us. And I, I believe that we ought to be obedient, not just in a few areas, but in every area where the Bible calls us as Christians. And uh, sometimes we can pick and choose what we want to pick and choose from the Bible. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're supposed to be given wholly to what the Word of God says that we're supposed to do as Christians. And uh, can I stand up and say this morning that I believe that the Word of God is 100% inerrant. It's without error. It's perfect. It's, it can be trusted. It can be believed. It can be relied on. It has proven itself to be such. And if I did not believe that, I would preach from a different book today. But I trust the Word of God, and I believe in its power. And I hope that we understand that this early church that we see in this passage of Scripture, you know, they were vibrant, they were growing, they were worshiping. Uh, they were an engaged church that was filled with glory, power, and a love for God. The early church was marked by uni unity, uh, a mutual care and concern, a community spirit, an evangelistic zeal, the manifest power and presence of God, uh, purity of doctrine, profound growth, and social separation. You know, God has shown us through the Scriptures what a church is supposed to be. Uh, God doesn't only show us the early church, but He gives us the epistles where instruction is given to the church of what the church of God is supposed to be. We know the church of God is not the building that we are in. It's the people. It's the people. You're the church. Uh, we're the church. And the Bible has called us uh, from the world, out of darkness, the Bible says, into His marvelous light. You believe that this morning? I hope you believe the Word of God and what it says. And I want to talk to you and just give you a few points uh, this morning uh, on the lines of being an engaged church, of the experiences of an engaged church. What makes an engaged church an engaged church? What have they experienced that has engaged them in such a way that they would be passionate, that they would be bold for Christ, that they'd be willing to, by the way, uh, was not that early church put to the fire? Weren't they put to the flame uh, of, of, of persecution, uh, of difficulty, of trial? Weren't they put to the flame and fire of, of, of difficulty financially and all these things? Uh, by the way, I think sometimes we got this picture that, you know, maybe they just did it because it was easy for them. I don't believe that for a second. I, I believe it's, it's easier for us that we are benefactors, if you would, of the people of God who have sacrificed to give us the Christian heritage that we have today. And can I say that I believe that it's worth continuing in? It's worth uh, fighting for? It's worth coming together and saying, hey, uh, let's come together as a church and let's not fall asleep. Let's not be complacent. Let's not get in our comfort zones to where we disengage from the culture that God has called us to engage, if you would, with all our hearts and souls. Too many Christians have, have fleed out of the areas and run from the areas and have been fearful from the areas that God has called us into. 
We're not supposed to be afraid. We're supposed to be bold for Jesus Christ. And that we're not supposed to vacate. You know, so many Christians use this excuse, well, the world is wicked. And all the more reason for Christians to engage it. Well, the the times are hard. All the more reasons for Christians to get involved. Uh, Well, the days are difficult. All the more reasons that each of these places that are dark uh, should have a Christian that is letting their light so shine before men that they might see their good works and glorify their Father which is in heaven. Isn't that what God has called us to? I believe that with all my heart. If you don't believe that, we need to get back into the book and see what God has called us to do as Christians. We're not supposed to just sit and cower within our walls. We're not supposed to just retreat back into our homes. We're supposed to come out, uh, if you would, from the world. Yes. And but, but by the way, let me say this. The separation it's calling for is a separation from sin. And an engagement that we would come out separating from sin, be pure, holy as God is holy as God has called us to. And uh, by the way, that's when Christians are salt and light. That's when we make the difference, when we're holy, when we're different. And uh, boy, it's, Christians are to be the additive to the world that makes a difference. Uh, if you look at the uh, early church, there were statements like this that were made about them. Uh, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that they filled the area with their doctrine. You know, they were not afraid. And boy, do you think that their day was against uh, what they were doing? Hey, they nailed the Savior to the cross. They persecuted. Disciples went and died, were martyred. Early Christian leaders and church fathers were martyred for their faith. Why? So that we could be comfortable and sit and be complacent and not engage our culture? No. So that we would say, hey, we'll take the example that's been given us. The bar's been set high, if you would, by the Spirit of God. And we'll say, hey, we're going to be involved. We're going to connect. We're going to engage. I mean, we're, we're not going to sit on our laurels. We're not going to sit back and say, well, let another generation do it. We're not going to sit back and say, well, let somebody else be involved. Let somebody else do it. Thank God that the person that won me to Christ didn't say, let someone else do it. Thank God that the person who brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to you said, don't let somebody else do it. Thank God that the uh, people who started churches that uh, uh, made a difference, uh, the church that you sit in that uh, uh, decades ago, that they didn't say, let somebody else do it. It's too hard. It's too dark. It's too difficult. Thank God for people who are going into the areas and engaging it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I tell you today, that's what we need. Boldness is Christians. A desire to engage, not a church that's asleep. Hey, long have been the days of the complacent and comfortable church. We need the engaged church. That's what God's called us to be. Can I say this? You say, well, I've, I've served God. I've been saved for a number of years, and maybe I'm just not as passionate as, as I once was about my faith. Uh, can I encourage you then to get back into the Word of God and read about your wonderful Savior and read about what He did for you on the cross and read about what He saved you from and read about what He's done for you, and perhaps once again you'll get passionate about this faith that you have. Jesus didn't die so that we could fall asleep. He died that we might live, the Bible says. He came that we might have life and what? Have it more abundantly. That's what the Bible says. Too many Christians are talking about life, and the world looks at the life that the Christians are living and say, I want nothing to do with that. It's not life at all. We just added religion to our lives. If you're truly in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it makes a difference. You have to be passionate about it. Uh, I'm... I'm married and blessed to be so. And if you are married, you are blessed. The Bible says, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And by the way, gentlemen, the day that we forget how good it is, the day we take it uh, for granted, uh, is the day we sin against our wives. 
And the truth of the matter is, is I'm thankful uh, to be in a relationship uh, with my dear wife today. And you know what I know is the second that I'm not passionate about that relationship is the moment I begin to let some things slip away from me. And the, the truth of the matter is, is the second we uh, lose our passion for our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're beginning to let things slip away from us. Isn't he worthy of our passion? Isn't he worthy of our zeal? Isn't he worthy of our boldness? Isn't he worthy of our, our, our devotion and study to the way that he lived and to the word of God and to, hey, get this, a commitment to what he's called us to? If we truly love him, we will keep his commandments. That's what he said. Hmm. You say, uh, I understand, but that's hard. You know what? It's hard for me to say it from my lips too because I'm a man. I'm no different than you are. And I'm preaching to myself this morning. I need this just as much as you do. It's easy for me to get comfortable. How about you? It's easy for me to just say, well, I've done enough, and it's time for me to you know, just let somebody else step up and do it. But the truth of the matter is, is how much can we do? How can we repay? How can we give back? Well, I'll tell you what Paul presented to us was just reasonable service, wasn't it? He said, I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you, I I implore you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Get this, holy. Mm, Holy. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. I believe that if we're going to come to worship, Despite popular opinion today, worship, we don't leave holiness to worship. We must be holy to worship God. It's it's just like, by the way, uh, as Christians observe the Lord's table, what does the Lord's table do for the local New Testament church? Why, it purifies it, does it not? Don't we have to examine ourselves? Oh, we don't just tip back a a grape juice uh, cup and and eat a wafer and say, uh, uh, you know, have a good day and we'll see you later. We must examine ourselves, the Bible says. We look at ourselves. It purifies the church. You know what worship ought to do? Purify the church. I to say, if I'm going to worship a holy God, if I'm going to worship Him in the beauty of His holiness, I need to draw nigh to Him and be as He is, holy as He's holy. He's called us to holiness. Present your bodies, by the way, a living sacrifice, holy. Get this, acceptable unto God. Too many Christians are looking for acceptance in all the wrong places. Didn't Jesus teach the woman at the well that she was seeking acceptance in wrong places? That rather she should look to God to seek for her acceptance? I I, I tell you this morning that as far as this message is concerned... The only person I am really concerned with that I have favor with and am acceptable in my message is the Lord Jesus Christ, that I am acceptable in His sight. Boy, that allows us to do what we do with great courage because we don't do it for eye services, men pleasers, or the fear of man. You remember what the Bible says? The fear of man bringeth a what? A snare. A snare. Too many churches have have set back on their laurels become, if you would, disengaged because all they were doing was doing for the eyes of men. All they were doing was doing for the fear of those that might see if they didn't do, if you would. I'm not here in church today because I'm afraid of who might see if I'm not. I'm not doing what I'm doing in my life because I'm afraid of what some other pastor and some other ministry and some other place might think of me if I don't do what he thinks I should do. 
I'm not here to stand before, uh, uh, if you would, a, a convention or a committee or a group. I'm here to stand before a holy God. And by the way, my accountability is to Him, and so is yours. And what God calls us to is to be acceptable unto God. How can I be acceptable with Christ? Well, I've got to have the blood applied to the doorposts of my heart. I wonder, you know, if death, the death angel was to pass over you this morning, if death were to come to your door, do you have the blood applied to the doorpost? Has Jesus Christ's uh, blood been applied to the doorposts of your heart? Late last night, I got a phone call from a family that I did not know, had never met. Someone had given them their name. They said, uh, uh, it's late and we're not sure, but we need someone to come and pray for us. And someone that was there, by the grace of God, I don't even know the person who did it. They said, we know of a church over there in Howell. We know that pastor will come if you call. And I don't even know the person. I don't know who did it or who called Uh, But they called, and I just happened to be at the other end of the phone. I believe that was a divine appointment. It was right there. It was just about to leave and and, uh, leave my office last night. I picked up the phone, and they said, You don't know us, but there's a family in need, and uh, their their, uh, father, husband, is on his deathbed, and uh, he likes someone to come and pray. And they said, Would you come? I said, I'll be happy to come. Be glad to come. Love to come. Sure, I'll be right there. Sped over there as quickly as I could get over. And uh, walked in, and, you know, I'm not going to give you all the details because I can't this morning. But I tell you, the grace of God is so wonderful. God's mercy and grace, His forgiveness, His power. You know, as I walked over, as I drove over, I just, uh, you know, just out loud in the car, I said, God, I don't know the person. I don't know the situation. I don't know the family. I don't know the circumstance. But guess what, God, I don't need to know. I know you want me to go, and I'm glad to go. And I know that you'll take care of all the details, but I know you've given me your precious word, and I'm going to lean on it. I'm going to rely on it. I'm going to bring it with me. I brought the word of God, and I pray there'd be a comfort and a help to this dear family. As I walked in, I pray, uh, would you pray for Arthur? Walked in, and Arthur was on, uh, uh, he was on life support, and there the family had decided to discontinue that. And they said just two days before he had, he had been there and had been responsive, and uh, the family actually had left, and Didn't get a chance to meet them, but I thought that was a divine appointment. Nobody in the room. When I walked in, uh, I met somebody there and amazed at what God did. I think I was there just for that attending nurse that was there. And she closed the door, and she said, I'm going to give you two some privacy. And as I walked over, Arthur couldn't respond. He couldn't speak. So I grabbed him by the hand, and I said, Arthur, don't try to talk, but I'm just going to hold your hand, and as you... Uh, understand what I'm saying, just squeeze my hand and I'll know that you know what I'm saying to you. And he squeezed my hand. I gave him the gospel and he squeezed my hand. I told him the truth and he squeezed my hand. And I said, Arthur, I said, I don't know if you've been saved. I don't know if I'm here to comfort you. And I don't know if you're lost, but I want to tell you the truth. And if you're lost, you need to trust Christ. And if you're saved, praise the Lord. And I'm glad that you're saved. And I'll see you again in heaven one day. And I said, based on what you heard, I said, and, and, and your decision, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? And he squeezed my hand and smiled real big. And I thought, I don't know his heart. He can't tell me, but I know God sent me there. And I thought, God's power, amen? God's power. I said, Arthur, and I talked to the nurse afterwards. I said, I'm going to leave my card here. I want to be able to talk to your family, and I'm praying that I be able to do that. But you know what? I don't know why God had me go there, but I'm glad I got to. I'm glad for the privilege. 
You know, there's Arthur's everywhere around us. There's people dying, and uh, we don't know their eternal condition, and God would have us to love those people and to bring the gospel to them. Thank God for His Word. Amen. I wonder this morning, uh, these experiences of engaged church, number one, we've experienced grace. Have we not? Experienced grace. Have you experienced His grace? I hope that you have. By grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, the Bible says, not of works as any man should boast. Grace is a continual reminder of God's mercy, of God's forgiveness in our lives. It engages us in gratitude and telling others what He's done for us. If you know what God's done for you, tell someone else what He's done for you, please. You say, I don't know all the words to say. Well, get in the Word of God and figure it out. Open up the Word of God and say, I need to know, God, I want to know what you did for me so I can tell others. We've experienced grace. In the early church, verse number 41, they that gladly received His Word, the Bible says, were baptized. You know, they found grace in God's sight, did they not? They were saved. The Bible says they were saved and they committed to following God. They, uh, they were baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. An amazing work of God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I said, Arthur, I said, I don't know what you want me to do, and you can't tell me what you want me to do, but I said, I'm just going to sing some songs to you. I said, is that all right? And I sang them, Amazing Grace. And I sang them, It Is Well With My Soul. And I sang them in the sweet by and by. And I, I, I sang, it, uh, What a day that will be. I said, let me sing you these songs because I, I pray that it be a comfort to you and a help to you. Just me and him, I tell you this, we had church in that room last night. I said, boy, this is good. I got to preach. He's a very responsive audience. Oh, man, he squeezed my hand. He's excited about the things of God and got to sing with him. You know, a couple of times I think he was trying to sing. Either that or he's telling me, be quiet. I don't know, one of the two. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. Amazing grace. We've experienced His grace. How about this? We've experienced growth. Growth. You know, as I look at the statistics, I'm thankful we're not part of the statistics. That God has seen fit to allow us to experience growth. Why? Healthy things grow. We've got to be healthy as Christians. Healthy. You say, why? Uh, you say, because that's what uh, God calls us to be as a church. Anything healthy grows. It's, it's, it is engaging to be part of something that's growing and exciting. I'm thankful to be part of a growing church, exciting church. Please don't be part of the committee of we have four and don't want no more. You know, don't be part of that committee. Well, I like being able to know everybody when I come in, and I don't want to meet anybody new when I get there. Come on. God would have us to see many new people come to Christ. We're not here just for us. We're here for the world that God's put us in. And, and boy, uh, you know, this early church, they experienced growth, didn't they? Oh, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Did they experience growth? Day one, 3,000 people get saved. And then daily, the Bible says, such as should be saved. What growth? Have we experienced grace? Have we experienced growth? We experienced glory. Hmm, glory. You know what I'm reminded of this morning as I preach His wonderful word? That God shares His glory with no one. He shares His glory with no one. Not with me. Not with you. Oh, I don't want to get alongside. You know, sometimes we think, boy, look what I did. Mm. Pride. 
Pride. You know what? I want to remind myself this morning that he gets all the glory. He's the reason for it all. He's the one that gets all the praise. Just like uh, the songs this morning were selected and not written. I have not uh, written this word. I have merely selected a passage of Scripture to preach from this morning. Who wrote the wonderful word? God did. Whose message is it? It's God's message. It's not my message. It's His message. We're just conduits. We're just vessels. We're just being used. And boy, we ought to be engaged in the things of God. We've experienced glory. Hey, the presence of God's Spirit is engaging, isn't it? Mm. Oh, we sang this morning, I just, just engaged my spirit. I was like, boy, this is good. Boy, just to get to sing. I don't know about you, but when we sang that third verse, it is well. I thought I was going to take off. I mean, I was ready to go. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We sang that last verse, and Lord, haste the day. I was like, yes. I mean, don't, don't, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> the clouds be rolled back as the sky, and we hear that trump. And uh, we hear the, I hope we're singing it as well, at least in our hearts when Jesus comes back. It is well with my soul. We've experienced glory. When God is in something, dry, dead, and cold are not the results. Do you hear that? If God's in it, dry, dead, and cold are not the results. Yeah, that's what was going on before Jesus came in. Come on, you with me? Jesus walked into that room where Jairus' daughter laid. All dry, dead, and cold was the situation. But when Jesus walked in, oh, there was life. Oh, when Jesus walked up on the tomb of Lazarus, dry, dead, cold, and another adjective, stinky, we learn, right, was the situation there. Oh, Lord, you don't want to go in. He's been dead long enough. He stinks. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, it wasn't dry, dead, and cold. There was life. Oh, there was life. Jesus brings life when he's in the room. Come on. No wonder people don't want to stay. We say he's here, and they see dead. Come on, we should be alive. I'm not talking about manufactured excitement. I'm not talking about manufactured zeal. I'm talking about where your spirit, where your spirit bears witness that, hey, he's here, he's here, just like he said. Oh, his spirit's here. How do I know he's here? Because if you're a Christian, you brought him in with you. His spirit is in you, is it not? I think too much we ignore the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, he's here. He wants Christ to be magnified, lifted up, glorified. The experience glory, tradition, selfishness, and sinfulness grieve the Holy Spirit's work. We've experienced grace, growth, glory. How about this? We've experienced giving. You say, how do you work that in Acts 2.42? Well, look at, look at Acts chapter 2. The Bible says, verse 44, and all that believed. It doesn't say, and some of them that believed chose to give. It says, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Wow. They all gave. They all gave. Because what? Christians give. It's what we do. Christians serve. It's what we do. Christians forgive. It's what we do. Christians preach the gospel. It's what we do. Christians love. It's what we do. Come on, these are the marks of what true Christianity is. You have too much masking, too much facades, too many fakes, if you would. And what I want to tell you this morning, no matter how long you've been in religion, no matter how long you've been in church, if you know you're not saved, don't fake it. Come to Jesus today. You say, what will people think? Oh, they'll rejoice with you. Trust me. 
Oh, they'll be glad. Don't you come in and try to fake it, put it on, and say, well, because I prayed a prayer or had an experience at some time in the past. Hey, if you don't know his touch, if you don't feel his presence, if you don't have a desire and a love for the lost and for his word and desire to engage the world that we live in, I'd stop and say, am I saved or am I wrapped up in sin and need to repent and get right with the Lord today? Come on. God wants us to be engaged. And it says every believer. It doesn't say some. It says an every believer. An every believer. You know why it says that? Because every believer is engaged. Every believer is. If you're a true believer, you will be. We've experienced giving. An engaged church is a giving church. Oh, it's not. Oh, come on. Got to give. Oh, I got to give. Oh, they're going to pass the plate. I got to give. You know, I better give. I wonder what so-and-so. I hope the usher doesn't see me not give. hope the pastor doesn't know. I, listen, I don't know what you give. Don't want to know what you give. Don't want to see what you give. I don't have anything to do with it. I just hope that you do give because it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know why I want to encourage you to give this morning? Because God blesses a cheerful giver. I didn't say he's going to line your coffers. I didn't say he's going to double your bank account. I didn't say that his blessings are financial. But God's blessings are wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to be able to give. Oh, lay by in store as God's prospered you. You say, what are you talking about? Well, first, you've got to look at everything God's given you as prosperity. Because it's undeserved. God has given me so much. I think of that widow who Jesus mentioned She came and she offered all that she had. Now, Jesus knew that. She came and she gave. You know what I believe? That God blessed her. Do I know that he gave her her money back? No, I don't. Do I know how he blessed her? No. But I guarantee you, friend, that that widow was taken care of. I guarantee you. I guarantee you her her needs were met. I guarantee you she did not starve. I guarantee you that she had a, a, a wonderful blessing from the Lord. Hey, if Christ would point her out, you better believe she was blessed. God takes care of his children. Oh, we fret, we fear, but God says be careful for nothing, but by everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Hey, he says, look at the lilies and look at the sparrows and look at the grass and look at these things if God would clothe them and feed them and and meet their needs, if God would send the rain and God would send the snow and the cold and God would do all the things that he does that we have no control over. If he would take care of these things, how much more will he take care of us? We're his children. We're his children. Oh, don't be afraid this morning to engage in your giving. Give compassionately. Give lovingly. Don't have an attitude of, I've get to give. Uh, I've got to give. Oh, or I give to get. How about that? Oh, I want to give because I hope I get something back. That'll just rob you of your blessing. Well, I'm giving because, you know, I know that my money's going to be doubled. The church is not Atlantic City, friend. It's not a gamble. It's not where you're going to double your money. It's not where, oh, you're going to come in and say, oh, you know, I've got to put it all down on a, uh, let it ride here at the church, and uh, God's going to give it back to me. Hey, if you turn on the television later, you might think the church is Atlantic City. You might think you might need to double down, and God will prosper you. Or you might see the preachers dancing on, I, I looked at that, there was a preacher dancing, there was money on the, on the platform, and he was dancing through the money, and the people were cheering. I said, what a farce, what a fake. What a shame. That's not what the church of God's supposed to be like. But here's the thing. 
What do I have a spirit of this morning? I get to give. I get to give. I don't deserve to give. I shouldn't be able to give. I shouldn't have anything to be able to give. But I get to give. I get to serve. I get to love. How about this? I get to forgive. God's forgiven me of an unfathomable amount of debt. Come on. Remember the parable that Jesus gave? You were in our adult Sunday school class. You heard that this morning. An unfathomable amount of debt. And he was forgiven. What did Jesus teach? That true believers will forgive. They will forgive. That man showed that he was not. Oh, he was not because he did not forgive. True believers do forgive because they understand forgiveness. Forgiveness. You understand you've been forgiven? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What? Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And then lastly this morning, the experiences of an engaged church. You might think this is a strange one to end with, but we've experienced grief. We've experienced grief. As I sat there last night, very cognizant of the fact that I was next to a man who was on his deathbed. There's never been so real to me in all my life. And I've been there before. Death is real. People die, and death's going to come to me one day. As I sat there, I just said, I want to treat this dear man like I'd want somebody to treat me if I was in his position. I want to love this man like I'd want somebody to love me if I was in his situation. I looked into Arthur's eyes and I said, Arthur, I said, I wish I'd known you before. And I'm sorry that I've never met you. I said, to be honest, I'm a little ashamed. I said, we come in here two times a month and have a service. And I wish I would have met you before. I wish I'd known you before. I said, but if you know Christ, what I can be sure of is I will see you again, my friend. I will see you again. Death is real. Grief is real. You don't think the early church experienced grief? Ooh. Death was very real to them. Persecution was very real to them. Oh, their Savior had just recently been nailed to a cross and killed. They knew grief. They knew death. They knew pain. But to get this, they were not afraid. They were not afraid. You know what? I, I hope that if the Lord should tarry and I should see death, that I could face it without fear. As I read these words to Arthur last night, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know what? We're going to go through grief and pain and suffering and loss, difficulties and trials. But this should not cause the church of God to disengage. It should engage us further into the works of God and should cause us to do it with great passion. I hope we're an engaged church because of what we have experienced. Father, I pray today, if be one here that doesn't know Christ. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.